tuned in to Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our show, We're an Open Book. My name is Chris McMurray. And I'm Gene. He's my husband, and he'll be behind the scenes making sure everything is running smoothly. But as always, I'll be telling you what I think all along the way. I have no doubt. On this show, we discuss those difficult situations that a lot of families go through but are often not talked about. Here we will, because like we said, we're an open book. In our relationship, we've dealt with marriage, divorce, remarriage to each other, addiction, sobriety, losing a business because of injury, and the ultimate sorrow of losing our son, Scott. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 12. And hello to you, my darling. I hope you're doing good today. I am. You have a box of tissues? You might need them for this episode. I'm ready, and I hope to get through it without too many tears, but I do have the tissues just in case. Why don't we remind everybody how they can get our book and read our whole story. That's right. Live, Laugh, Fly is available on Amazon, and 100% of proceeds will help benefit children's cancer program. We will be sure to tell you more about the book at the end of the show. But right now, let's recap last month's episode. Our son, Scott, who has been battling a rare cancer, had just completed one year of rigorous treatment. Although he's cancer-free, the treatment has taken a toll, and he's extremely weak and thin. When treatment ended, he was barely well enough to travel with the extended family on a trip to Jamaica, but he did. And the highlight of that trip was watching him fly across the horizon on a jet ski, free as a bird. That was indeed a highlight. That is where we left off last time. With his treatment behind him, it's now our focus to get him strong, both mentally and physically. His ultimate goal was to return to college and his fraternity brothers, but he was not ready for the upcoming semester. We were hoping that he could return to school for the spring semester of 2010. So that gave us a year to get him ready. After a couple of months of recuperating at home and staying inside protected from the winter elements, we all had some cabin fever and Scott was ready for an adventure. And that adventure was supplied by the Pinwheel Project. And that needs a little more explaining. So we're going to go to the book. As we always do, Chris reads a page or two from our book, Live, Laugh, Fly. And that's what we're going to do right now. You ready to go? I sure am. It's all yours. During Scott's treatment, we learned that there are many organizations that donate services to terminally ill children. Some children can go on trips, and some may get a special gift. Maybe it was because he had to admit that he had a terminal illness, but Scott was very resistant to any special treatment. That is, until he heard about skydiving. Sandy Candy was a fixture at Children's Hospital. Every Tuesday, she would walk into the children's rooms pushing a cart filled with candies and toys. She owns and operates a nonprofit called the Pinwheel Project. Through a variety of projects, both large and small, Sandy's goal was to make life a bit more pleasant and peaceful for those facing some of the worst challenges they could ever imagine. I looked forward to Tuesdays. Not only did I get chocolate, but I got to know a caring person who brought smiles to children and their parents. It was Sandy who suggested skydiving. She knew of a place and told us the Pinwheel Project would pay for his jump. 
Scott was very excited. The day of his jump arrived. Gene and I drove Scott two hours north to the ranch. As we got closer, we were able to see the parachutes in the air. Always with the song appropriate for the occasion, Scott played Free Falling, a song by Tom Petty on his iPod as we pulled in. Scott attended the pre-jump lesson and met the instructor to whom he'd be attached in his first tandem jump. Soon Scott boarded a plane and took off. Watching nervously, Gene and I suddenly spotted his parachute. He was flying. After he landed, he walked over to us with an excitement we had not seen in over a year. He loved it and wanted to enroll in the classes, hoping to one day jump by himself without an instructor. Before we left, Scott was given a video of his first jump. When we got home, we looked at the video. There was Scott flying, but what we saw was even more amazing was his smile. We had not seen it for quite a while, but there it was, and it was beautiful. Skydive Ranch in Garden, New York, was the jump center that helped make this all happen, along with the Pinwheel Project. Now, everyone's familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is a fantastic organization, but there are so many others who are also there to help. He didn't roll in the classes and eventually jumped 15 times, 10 of which were solo. He really loved it. He did, and the skydiving experience seemed to give him a sense of confidence that was battered along with his body in treatment. He started to believe again that there was a life for him out there beyond cancer. So he started making plans for himself, but he still had six months before school started. So next on his list was a road trip. Let's go back to the book, Live, Laugh, Fly. Early in 2009, Scott began to plan a cross-country trip to California with his friend Mike. Knowing what Scott had gone through over the last year and after the difficult time he had in Jamaica, this was a very worrisome proposition. Wanting to encourage his enthusiasm, alternative options such as sticking to the East Coast and perhaps going to Florida was suggested, hoping he would choose a less strenuous alternative. I told him that California was the mecca of road trips and suggested he might want to work up to that. His reply, Mom, I don't have time for that. Stop me in my tracks. We decided to put the decision in the hands of his doctors, confident that they would discourage his venture. To our surprise, they began problem solving how to get him his medication as he traveled across the country. A plan was developed where we would mail his medications to P.O. boxes across the country. Not only would that solve the medication dilemma, it would also give us the opportunity to connect with him about twice a week to let him know where to pick up his meds. So in June, the entire family launched him on his adventure with an extended family barbecue. They were gone about three weeks, and when they returned, we stood on our front porch and clapped as they pulled into the driveway. We were so happy, and so was he. We may never hear many of the stories from that trip, but he treasured the experience and the memory. He slept for a week, but it was worth it. And as far as we know, the most drama was a couple of speeding tickets. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Absolutely. That's what they say. <laughs> Scott and his buddy Mike had a great time on that trip, but I must say we were nervous when we saw them off. We certainly was because he was so weak and thin, and driving cross-country is not easy. 
I was hoping that they'd go to Florida, two or three days driving each way, a stop in Disney, good times. But he was determined to go to California. There was no working up to that big trip. Like you said in the reading, he realized that maybe he didn't have the time. He had to do it now. We also expected the doctors that they would nix this plan as such a strenuous trip, but they gave their approval and a plan to get the medications to them. And that eased our minds a little bit. The fact that the doctors never got in the way of anything he wanted to do was always an indication, to me anyway, that they knew that his time in this world was short. They always encouraged him to live his life, and many times they offered their advice and solutions to make anything he wanted to do practical. So off they went. So they were gone for three weeks, and the highlight of the trip for me was the moment seeing them pull up in front of the house the morning of my birthday. Oh, we were so happy that they did it, and now him and Mike were home, and they were safe. What a great birthday present. It was. Fast forward to January 2010, and after a lot of rest and TLC, it was time for him to go back to school. And we're going to go back to the book. Here we are. The following January, Scott returned to school. He was still very thin and weak, but he wanted to go. Now, Scott wasn't the greatest student. In fact, he returned on academic probation. I reminded him that he needed a 2.0 GPA to stay in school. No problem, Mom, he said. I got a 1.2 without even trying. He was totally serious. While he was sick, he would tell me that if he ever got the chance to return to school, he would do so well, adding that you don't appreciate something until it's gone. So he went back to school, but it was a struggle to stay on campus seven days a week. On Fridays, I'd pick him up along with his laundry at noon. While home, he would rest and eat. On Monday mornings, we'd be in the car by 5.45 a.m. to get him back to school by 9 a.m. We did this the entire semester with the exception of a couple weekends. He started to talk about becoming an early childhood teacher, which is what I always thought he would be. He had always been the Pied Piper among the little children at Chris's Kids Daycare, so this was the next logical step for him. Scott's returning to school this semester was a big accomplishment in itself, and we had no expectations about grades, and we just appreciate that he could return to a somewhat normal life, and we hoped he could get that 2.0 so that he could stay in school. However, when his grades for this semester were posted, he did so well that he was eligible for the teaching program. I burst out crying. You know, those trips to upstate New York, driving him three hours each way, both Monday and Friday, were a lot. And they all fell on you because I was working. Well, if it meant that he was back in school, I didn't mind at all. We set up the car the night before with pillows and blankets in the back seat so he could sleep. But it also gave us time together to talk about everything and also listen to a lot of Beatles. It was a special time for you guys. It really was. I remember one time he wanted to show me his fraternity house. And as we walked in, some guys were rolling a joint. And when they saw me, they looked panicked. And Scott quickly said, don't worry. This is my mom. She's cool. I smiled because I was so surprised. I'm cool. I'm cool. Never thought I'd hear that. During middle school and high school, I did hear a lot of how annoying I was. So now I'm cool. 
and I'll take that. That May, Scott amazingly finished his second semester of college, two and a half long years after he started. When his marks came in, we were so proud he had the best semester academically that he ever had at any level. He proved he could do it. We could not have been prouder, but most importantly, he was so proud of himself. That summer, he enjoyed time with friends. He went to the Bonnaroo Music Festival. He even had a little job to help keep him busy. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it was just a couple hours a week, and he worked help keeping an elderly gentleman company while his wife was out giving voice lessons, and he would make them some lunch, and they would sit and talk and watch TV for a little bit. He was a retired doctor, I believe, I think a GI specialist. But that gave him a little pocket money, but it also gave him time to sit and talk to somebody removed from the family about what his life was like. That's right. And I remember Scott coming home one day and saying how he felt sorry for this man because getting old is really hard and there's a lot he could no longer do. And I was so blown away by this conversation. What an incredible perspective for a 21-year-old battling cancer. At that moment, he could put someone else's troubles above his own. I went out on the porch and cried. At the end of August, it was time to pack him up and head back to school. We went back to SUNY Delhi and got him settled into his room. I remember as we sat in the car, as we were about to head home, we looked at each other and one of us said, maybe he's the one that's going to beat this cancer. We both had that same hopeful thought. But sadly, those optimistic thoughts were very short-lived. Three weeks later, one night, we got a call from Scott. He had been admitted to a small hospital in Delhi, New York, complaining of leg pain. I think they actually told him before we got here got there that his cancer had returned. Yeah, but I told him not to think about that. And I told him we'll be there first thing in the morning to bring him to his team of doctors at Children's Hospital Montefiore in the Bronx. The doctors did a preliminary x-ray, then set him up for a battery of scans. Scott was so beside himself at this point with anxiety. He was so scared he was sick again. I'm sure, like us, he allowed himself to believe that he had beaten his disease. Yeah, and during this stressful time, we made the house a cocoon. We rarely left. We had no visitors. We cooked his favorite foods. We gave him foot massages and just tried to make him comfortable. We had a long weekend after the scans were done to wait for the results. Finally, they called us in. Here is another reading from the book. Soon the doctors called and wanted us to come in to discuss the test results. The next morning, we were in the waiting room, anxiously waiting for them to call us in. Finally, it was Scott's turn. First was the usual routine in which blood pressure, temperature, and weight were taken. When the nurse, who was one of our regulars, was sniffling, I asked if she had a cold. She shook her head no. Looking back on it, I'm sure she knew what we were about to face. Then the room began to fill up with his doctors, nurses, some interns, and then I saw the social worker. Her presence told me that we were about to hear the worst possible news. Now I was really petrified. Dr. Gorlick looked at Scott, said that the test results were back, and it was not good. There was a recurrence of the primary cancer, and at this time, there was no treatment or cure. Scott asked how long he had. 
a few months was the answer. The car ride home was very quiet. All you could hear was Scott and me sniffling. When we arrived home, Scott looked at the house and turned to us and said, this will not be a sad house. The tone was set. At this point, we knew that our son was dying. The full weight of our fears had been realized, but we still had to let our daughter know. I called her and told her I would drive to Philly right away and get her. Scott first hesitated about bringing Tim home. He said, I don't want this to be a big deal. I told him it was a big deal. It was the biggest of deals. And when you left, I went for a walk to clear my head and Scott was on his computer. He also got in touch with some of his close friends to give him the news. Later, Scott asked me to take him to Best Buy to buy PlayStation 3. I looked at him and smiled. You're going to milk this, aren't you? He smiled back and nodded. So we go to Best Buy and we purchase PlayStation 3 and two video games. As we're checking out, the cashier asked if we wanted a two-year warranty. I'm sure it was nurse, but the two of us started giggling. Finally, Scott answered, oh, I don't think I'll be needing that. Then we giggled some more. As we were walking to the car, Scott said, guess what I just did? I shrugged my shoulders. I just stole a pack of gum. I always wanted to do that. I calmly said, I have enough to worry about now, and bailing you out of jail is not going to be one of them. That's how it was. We were trying to keep things light. Remember what he said, this is not going to be a sad house. And he made sure of that. Even though it was not a sad house, at times the mood was very emotional and profound. That was unavoidable given the circumstances. With that in mind, let's go to the final reading for today, which centers around a conversation you and Scott had while I was picking up Kim in Philadelphia. Scott, I have to ask you. Mom, I had a great childhood. You were always there for us. We laughed a lot in this house. That was all I needed to know. My job of raising him was over and my new job was beginning. I now had to let him die. I had to prepare him to die on his terms. So in the end, it'd be a peace knowing how much we loved him. I don't think there's anything harder for a parent to do. I know many people question their faith during crises, asking how God could let this happen. I never felt this way. I know God did not give Scott cancer. Cancer is not selective. Anyone can get it. Scott also knew cancer was random. He knew how rare it was. Guess I'm the lucky one, he would say sarcastically. And that's how he looked at it. There would be many moments, just like the one you alluded to in the reading, that we would all have with Scott in his last few months. At this point, we knew he only had a few months at most left with our son. Kim stayed home for a week before she had to go back to her job. But she was back and forth regularly and totally involved with his care. His comfort and peace of mind were all of our priorities. I think those last few months were a very spiritual time for all of us. Yeah, they were. Let's leave it right here until next time. Good place to drop off. Mm -hmm. So, as we leave, we would love to hear what you thought about this episode. We'd like to hear your comments. The best way to do that is to leave a message down below. Or, you can go to our Facebook page. That's right. We're an open book on Facebook, and you can leave a comment right there. 
Or lastly, you can email us at our email address, remember love never dies at gmail.com. Like we promised, we're going to talk about the book one more time. That's right. Live, Laugh, Fly is available on Amazon, and 100% of proceeds will help benefit children's cancer programs. And you'll know it's our book because you'll see a picture of our son on the cover, smiling as he's skydiving. And it was his first solo jump that their picture is. So get the book. We'd, we'd really appreciate it. So that's a wrap. That's a wrap, folks. We're done. I think we have just one more bit of business. We do. Always remember, love never dies. Bye, everyone. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She